Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Hello, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. And you can live stream us. If I get this right, it's Larry Kudlow Show. Com. I think that's right. You can live stream us throughout the country, all around the globe, throughout the solar system, and you'll know as much as I know. No, that's not right. You'll know much more than I know. So anyway, welcome back. We're broadcasting from Naples, Florida today, and um, we're all set up. I have to give a speech tonight to the Ave Maria University, and looking forward to it. See my pal Newt Gingrich, Ambassador Callista Gingrich, and a cast of thousands. So let's talk about um, let's talk about war and inflation. I'd love to say war and peace, but war and inflation would be uh, more to the point. We will have General Keene, General Jack Keene, on at the uh, top of the next hour, and he'll fill us in on the military story and the peace talk story. I don't know. You know, there's a part of me. I, I'm look. I don't know what I what I don't know about military uh, tactics and um, analysis is gigantic. I don't really know much of anything. But there is a part of me that thinks that at least as far as the Kiev story is concerned, that the Ukrainians are actually winning. Russians are bombing civilians and babies and maternity wards, and Putin is a war criminal, and it's a terrible story, but I think they basically control the West and they're coming up through the South. But the fact is the Kiev campaign's gone very badly. The convoy's broken up. The soldiers have gone off into the tree line. I don't know what's going to come next, but there is a part of me that suggests, you know what, the Russians may be losing at least that part of the battle. Will they win in the end? Perhaps so. We will see. Zelensky is a very courageous guy, and my hat's off to him as always is. But here at home, Joe Biden's kind of up to his old tricks, and so is the Democratic Party. And it was interesting to me, you know, we had this very bad inflation report, 7.9%, 12 months ending in February. And um, Biden keeps telling us that it's all Vladimir Putin's fault, right? It's all his fault. It has nothing to do with Biden policies. And, of course, that's completely wrong. He's in total denial. Even some of his leading, not his, but some leading Democratic Party economists, like Larry Summers of Harvard and Jason Furman of Harvard, these are people that uh, worked for Barack Obama, Steve Ratner as well, are pounding him because he has to own the inflation problem, but he won't own the inflation problem. And although yesterday he did one good thing, he ended where I think he's starting to end Russia's special trade status, which means basically World Trade Organization principles will be thrown out the window. Tariffs on uh, Russian imports will go up. I'm a free trade guy. I don't like tariffs, but in this particular case, 
in a wartime setting, uh, we need to punish Putin and we need to try to rob him of financing his great military machine. So I'm good with that. But Biden, you know, talking to the media yesterday morning, after he talks about putting higher tariffs on Russian imports, he then just goes off the rails, like he always does, and still makes the case that the 8% inflation problem, $110 oil, $4.33 gasoline, it's all caused by Vladimir Putin. It's Putin's inflation. Wrong. It's Biden's inflation. It is Biden's inflation. And he'll never own it, I guess. But as he was talking yesterday, you could see the Pinocchios. The Pinocchios were, you know, one Pinocchio, two Pinocchios, three Pinocchios, four Pinocchios. And uh, the building up of the Pinocchios. Here's some facts. Can I just lay out some facts for this story? The Russians invaded in late February, and actually, that had no impact on the February consumer price report. It will show up in March, and on the 75-cent increase in gasoline that Biden keeps talking about and blaming Putin, you know, I, I'm okay with that part. That's exactly right. It will show up in March. Um, whether it's a one-time increase, we will see. But here's the thing. In December of 2020, the 12-month inflation rate, the last one from the Trump administration, was 2%. I think for the quarter in Q4 2020, Trump's last quarter, inflation was about 1.5%. Okay? Now, here's the problem. Starting in January 2021, gasoline is at $2.35. As last year progressed, by October, it was $3.31. In November, which is when the Russian troops actually started massing on the Ukraine border, on their eastern border, gasoline went up a little bit, $3.41. This year's January, gasoline actually fell slightly, fell at $0.10. Cents. Then it went up in February, and then, of course, March, it surged to $4.33. So here's my point. Yes, gasoline popped up about 75 cents. But before that, before Putin, before invasion, before anything, gas prices had gone up about $1 over the prior year. That's a 40% increase. Biden will not talk about that, will not deal with that, will not face up to that. Okay? The same is true with the oil story, crude oil. In January 2021, oil prices um, were about $52, which is pretty much the average of where they were during all the Trump years when we had energy independence, when we encouraged the frackers to frack, when we encouraged the pipeliners to pipeline, when we removed regulatory obstacles such as NEPA permitting and endangered species and clean water. We didn't eliminate them, we just eased them to something more reasonable so business and commerce could go on, and particularly in America's oil and gas industry, which is one of our most important industries and the best oil and gas industry in the world. The cleanest fuel, and we were pumping up, you know, 
13.5 million barrels a day. So my point is pre-Putin, pre-Putin, $52 gas went from went to $91 ga- uh, crude oil. Sorry, 52 oil went to 91. 39 bucks is 75% gain. This is all pre-Putin, pre-invasion, pre-anything. So the Pinocchios grow for Joe Biden. Um, in terms of the consumer price index, as I said, it was about 2% at the last month of Trump's administration. It moved up to 7.5% in January and 7.9% in February. And it was across the board, across the board. In fact, if you had taken energy out of the CPI, so Putin, so Biden blames Putin for energy. But what about the rest of the CPI? You know, there's like 5,000 prices in the consumer price index. So take it out. Take energy completely out. That's like taking Putin out of the CPI. What you're left with is about a 6.5% inflation rate. So it went from 2 to 6.5%. Take Putin out, out of the CPI. And it just shows you uh, the falsehoods that Joe Biden continues to press upon the American people. And it's too bad, because this story is going to get worse before it gets better. Now, I'll run down just a couple points. Why did inflation go up? This is not hard. Number one, first and foremost, excessive federal spending, financed by deficits. So we call it deficit spending. And that, in turn, was financed by the Federal Reserve which bought the bonds and injected new cash into the economy at incredibly rapid rates. The money supply grew by 40% for the past two years. We're still growing the money supply at about 15%. Normally it would be about 5, 6, or 7%. Commodity prices have taken off. That's a sign of inflation and a falling dollar. Gold prices have taken off, and yes, oil prices have taken off as well. Biden said yesterday deficit spending, he said spending doesn't cause inflation. I mean, you have to be really out there on the far, far, far left. It's called modern monetary theory. It's all a bunch of garbage. To believe that the government can spend whatever it wants and the Fed can print how much money it wants and there's no inflationary impact. There isn't... I mean, it's so far outside the mainstream of the economics profession, and it certainly runs contrary to free market supply-siders like myself. And all you have to do is look at the inflation gauges, look at the CPI, look at the the GDP deflator, look at the personal consumption deflator. I don't want to get too far. I'm probably already too far in the weeds, but I'm just saying to you, big deficit spending and big Federal Reserve money creation has caused so much aggregate demand, over-stimulus, over-consumer stimulus. Part of the reason we have these supply shortages is we're creating too much demand by these government policies. And then, on top of that, Biden has undertaken this massive government regulatory octopus whose tentacles reach out 
into all these regulatory agencies and have strangled our oil and gas industry. Strangled it. You know, my pal Steve Forbes calls it modern socialism. Modern socialism is not to have the government buy the factories, what we used to call the means of production, you know, back in the era of Lenin and Stalin and so forth. No, 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 they don't do that anymore. They just use the regulatory agencies through executive presidential orders, and that is what has killed our oil and gas industry. What are the regulatory agencies? Well, the Energy Department, the Interior Department, FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, EPA, lately the SEC, the Federal Reserve Board. They've created this new metric, which is called the social cost of carbon, which we in the Trump administration basically ignored because it was so far-fetched and had no acceptance among analysts, scientists, economists. They, go, they went back, the, the Biden people go, go back three centuries to compile data? Really? I wasn't even around three centuries ago. Just saying something. And then they want, what's the impact of a new pipeline upstream for consumption, downstream for production users, globally? And they come up with outrageous whatever it is, $57 per megawatt or $57 per something. We kept it at $7 in the Trump years. All they want to do is price energy, price carbon-related energy out of the market. For example, FERC, using these various, you know, the Endangered Species Act, the Clean Water Act, they suspended the NEPA uh, permitting, you know, we had it down to one to two years. They've suspended that. Judges have just tried to enjoin them, but they just are tied up in court. So the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission will not allow any new pipelines. No pipelines. So Madam Saki the other day says, well, those pipelines don't matter. They're just a form of distribution. They don't actually produce any new oil. You know what, that's, that's, like, that's like saying, when you milk a cow, you leave all the milk on the barn floor. So there's no distribution. But the trouble is then nobody would get milk. So without pipelines, nobody would get oil or natural gas. Pipelines, by the way, are the safest way to transport oil and gas, as you all probably know. She doesn't know because she's tied in with this far-left agenda business. She's shilling for her president. Okay, I get that. That's her job. Press secretary, you show for the president. But it's a pity you can never tell the truth. So this regulatory octopus has completely choked off our oil and gas industry and our pipeline industry. And that means on the supply side of energy, even though demand is very high because we've overstimulated demand with deficit financing, they've kept oil and gas low. So the price goes up. So middle-class families, typical families, working folks, working folks right now at near 8% inflation are paying about $3,500 
a year per family. It's an inflation tax. So wages are going up, which is great in my opinion, but prices are going up faster, so real wages, your actual real take-home pay is going down. People are hurting. That's why Biden's polls are so bad, and he is in complete denial. His regulatory octopus is strangling oil and gas. His deficit spending is increasing aggregate demand, overstimulating. That's a bad combination. And all the indicators show, you know what? We're not done here. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse because he is in denial about his policy. He will not own his policy failures. You have blamed Putin. Putin has virtually nothing to do with this story except March, you'll see a very high CPI. That's all. Actually, oil prices are off their highs. So I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I want to talk about some other stuff, you know. I want to talk about the XL pipeline, which could be finished in one year, according to industry experts. The premier of Alberta and Canada, Alberta, Canada, they're friends of ours, not Iran, not Venezuela, who hate us and our terrorist rogue regimes and dictatorships. Alberta is ready to ship 800,000 barrels per day if we would give them a pipeline that gets it from Alberta through Nebraska, where it would then hook up to another pipeline to get it to the Gulf of Mexico, where it would be distributed, yes, distribution, Madam Saki, to the Northeast, to Europe, and even to Asia. You know, this stuff can be fixed, but when you have a bunch of radical lefties running the place in denial, playing the blame game on a Putin, they won't be fixed. And my great fear is this story will not have a happy ending. No happy ending looks out there to me. The best I can say is the cavalry is coming. The cavalry is coming. That's in November. Anyway, let me take a quick break, and then I want to come back. I want to read some poll numbers. And we've got Douglas Holtz-Eakin, one of America's best economists, an old friend of mine. He'll be on the other side of the break to talk about this over-regulation business and too much government spending. I'm Kudlow, LarryKudlowShow.com. Live stream us around the country, around the globe, throughout the solar system. We'll be right back with Biden's Pinocchios. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. Great pleasure to be with you. We're broadcasting from Naples, Florida. It's a lovely place. Um, You know, Biden's uh, attempts to blame Putin, and before that he blamed the pandemic, Um, then he blamed supply shortages. He'd blame everything but his own policies of deficit spending, easy money, and the regulatory clampdown on oil and gas. They're not playing. I mean, he's kind of digging his own grave, and he's digging it deeper and deeper. The latest survey from the Wall Street Journal poll, which is a much better poll than it used to be, uh, because Tony Fabrizio is doing the Republican side. Fabrizio is really quite good. Anyway, um, Biden is way underwater. 57 percent 
of voters disapprove, 42% approve. I mean, he's got a big problem here. And 63% disapprove of Biden's handling of rising inflation. It's his worst rating on six policy issues. 63% disapprove of inflation. Inflation is the number one issue, number one. So he's got a problem, and I guess what I would say is he's not fooling anybody. People know darn well, and they're feeling it in their pocketbooks, but they know darn well government is too big, too much central planning, too much woke, too much uh, extreme radical climate change. I'm not a climate denier. I'm an all-of-the-above guy. Sensible position, common sense. We should have oil, gas, coal. Wind turbines, solar panels, nuclear, all the above. But you can't block out carbon fuels, which are funding 75% of our economy. It's insane. It's suicidal. And that's what Joe Biden's trying to do. We'll be right back on the other side of the break with Douglas Holtz-Egan. 